Well, good morning. I would encourage you to turn in your Bible or the one in the pew rack in front of you and turn to those passages that we read together. You read one in unison. Ben uh, read the other. Psalm 30, we read in unison together. Today I'm going to do something that I rarely have done over the last 20 years of my ministry in this place. Uh, Only a very few times in 20 years have I repeated a message that I had preached before. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I thought it might be a good way to, or reason to move on, because I have 20 years worth of sermons in a barrel that are waiting to be re-preached. They are so good that I think to preach them just once is an absolute shame. And uh, so... God didn't call me primarily to a preaching ministry at the City Mission, so there will be many of those sermons that probably will remain in the preaching barrel. But because I've had many, many requests, probably the most requested Christmas message that I've ever preached several years ago, entitled, Joy Has Come, I've decided after praying and and waiting on the Lord to re-preach this message and hope that it will bring joy to your hearts in this season. Several texts upon which this message is based. The first, Psalm 30, in which the psalmist says, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of His. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. I just want to say hallelujah when I read that. His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I felt secure. I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when You favored me, You made my mountain stand firm. But when You hid Your face, I was dismayed. To You, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise You? Will it proclaim Your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to You and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give You thanks forever. And these words from the Lord Jesus Himself in John's Gospel, John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in His love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. And then finally, from the record of Dr. Luke concerning the birth of Jesus In Luke chapter 2, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is God's Word for us today. Let us pray. Holy and Almighty Father, we are awed by the knowledge that You have reached out to us through Your only Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah that by Your grace and mercy that we have had this morning the privilege of worshiping You with what we hope and has been designed to be acceptable worship to You, our holy God. It's an amazing thing, O God, for us to consider that because of Jesus and His shed blood and His full sacrifice on Calvary, that because of Jesus we have been made acceptable to You, a God who is holy, holy, holy. We thank You today for Your Word, Your Word that You have given to reveal Yourself to us. We thank You for the Holy Spirit who is present with us and dwells within us. Your Holy Spirit that quickens that Word and makes it real, makes it alive in us, applies it to our hearts and our own situations. So we ask You, Holy Spirit of God, to walk up and down these aisles today, to tap us on the shoulder, to point out the things that we really need to hear and to pay attention to. And I ask, O oh God, that You would grant us open hearts and minds and a willingness to obey that we might respond to You this morning with a heart that's characterized by obedience that comes through faith. So hear our prayer, O oh God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, the author of true joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I have come to give you my joy and that your joy may be complete. Good news of great joy for all the people. Joy. It's an amazing little word. A three-letter word. One syllable. It's a little word that, that just kind of expulses itself from our lungs like a breath of air. Joy! And it's gone. You'd hardly think that such a little word like joy could carry such weight, would have attached to it such Christian fulfillment and a sense of expectation. And yet I am thoroughly convinced in my heart that joy is at the heart of satisfied Christian living. 
that in addition to experiencing the complete forgiveness of God, His grace and His mercy and His love and the peace that comes with knowing Jesus of sins forgiven and a home fixed in heaven for us, that in addition to all of those wonderful gifts that we receive from the gracious hand of Almighty God, that among them is this great gift that comes from the hand of the Father. It is the gift of joy. 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 Joy is at the heart of the Christian life. Joy is what I think makes Christianity real and credible. Joy is that kind of life. A joyful life is that kind of life that glorifies God and and also makes a deep impression upon a watching world. One of my favorite Christian authors, C.S. Lewis, says, that joy is the serious business of heaven. I like that. That means that that joy is the key to serious godliness on earth. Joy, a little word. One breath. One syllable. Three letters. And it's gone. But I want to suggest to you this morning that though this word joy is a, is a wee little word, that joy carries with it huge impact and importance. For you see, joy, in the biblical sense, joy according to the Old Testament writers and according to the, the gospel that we read this morning, joy is an enormous word. Joy is a, Noisy word. Joy is a a big word, a great word. And I want to make a case this morning for joy. That joy is integral to our lives as Christ followers. I want you to understand, when I speak of joy this morning, I'm not talking about some kind of whimsical wish that wishes you a, a good day. We're not talking about a momentary little kind of kumbaya moment where we clasp hands and we enjoy the moment. Joy, as I'm meaning it, and according to the biblical writers, is not that kind of emotion. For joy is something that is a deep, deep experience that comes from heaven above. Joy is a gift. It is one of those fruits of the Spirit that we all are are seeking to to bear in our own lives. And I see that uh, threaded through the words of the psalmist in Psalm 30. Psalm 30 is a wonderful psalm. It's one that, that I love when in my daily Scripture readings when I come to Psalm 30. I love this psalm. Because here's a man for whom... Things are going very, very well. He's at the top of the heap. Things are going well for him. He's in charge of his life. But apparently, in some way, he is assailed by some kind of an illness that looks like it might be an illness that threatens his life. And he cries out to the Lord for mercy. And he asks the Lord, Lord, if I die and I go down into the pit, will the dust praise you? Will the grave praise you? And he cries out to the Lord. He he says, Lord, heal me. Touch me. Save my life. 
And in verse 5 of Psalm 30, there's one of those great verses of the Bible. It is this. Weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. My friend, there is a verse that, that you ought to memorize if you haven't already. There is a verse that you ought to write down on a slip of paper and affix it to the front of your refrigerator. There's a verse that's worthy of putting on your bathroom mirror or upon your sun visor in your car. Weeping may remain for the night. It's a great verse. Say it aloud with me. Weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, I know that some of you are old enough in this room to know what it is to weep during the night. You've been there. You've been through those sleepless nights in which you've drained the cup of disappointment and pain. Maybe it was the pain of grief where your heart was, was filled with grief because one had been snatched from you way too early in life. Perhaps, perhaps you've wept in the night because you just came from the doctor's office and you'd been given a diagnosis of an incurable disease. And only, if only God will touch you, can you have joy. Some of you have wept during the night because you've, expent, you've experienced failure in your, your life. A dashed hope. A ruined relationship. Something that, that you've been hoping and praying for but has not yet been fulfilled. And you've wept throughout the night until morning comes. Weeping, as the psalmist, may remain for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Most of you know that I'm a two-year cancer survivor. In 2007... I went through a radical prostatectomy. I'm grateful for the work of Dr. Joel Nelson at Fadyside Hospital and the expertise and experience that he has in treating cancer. But most of all, I stand behind this pulpit today and tell you that I'm grateful for a healing God because today I am cancer-free and I praise God for His touch on my body. I know what it is, my friend. I know what it is to weep in the night and to not know what lies ahead. I know what it is to have those sleepless hours and to wonder, will morning come? But I, I draw strength from this promise in Psalm 30 that weeping may remain for the night, but hallelujah, joy comes in the morning. Some of you here know that experience too. You know firsthand what the psalmist is speaking about. You know what the gospel is telling us about, that, about that which causes weeping, that that doesn't necessarily have to write the final script for our life. That which causes weeping is not the last act in our autobiographies. Weeping may linger in the night hours, but joy, joy, joy comes in the morning. Now you need to understand that from a biblical sense, 
This joy is not a weak word. The word in the Hebrew in the Old Testament is the Hebraic word rinna. Rinna. And it doesn't mean joy. That's not a very good translation of the Hebrew there. Rinna doesn't mean that that Jesus and I are out in the corner having tea and fairy cakes, enjoying some warm fuzzies together. That's not what Rinna means. That's not what Rinna is about. What the word in this passage in, in Psalm 30, weeping may remain for the night, but joy, Rinna, comes in the morning. What the word means there in the Hebraic is this. The word in Hebrew means, Rinna means, joy! It's not a weak word. It's a vigorous word. It's a loud word. It's a throwing the party kind of word and annoying the neighbors. It's a getting your mallet and beating the cymbals word. It's a putting on the sforzando on the organ. Give me a moment. Where's the sforzando? Can I get it? Joy. It's a joy. It's a joy. It's a like May Loop in Eldridge Free Methodist Church used to do. Get out your hallelujah hanky and go across the front of the room. Being filled with joy. No, joy! But what do we do when we come to church? Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Joy! According to Old Testament and New Testament, it's hitting the drums. Vigorous. It's a, I was dead, but now I'm alive. It's a, I was lost, but now I'm found. It's a, I once was blind, but now I see. It's a, kick your heels. Pull out your hanky. Put on the stops on the organ. Joy says, at one point my life was swallowed up in darkness. But now, because of Jesus, the light has dawned. And I no longer am fearful of death or the grave. But now, hallelujah, because of Jesus, I have joy. Listen. Listen. The grave doesn't have the last word over you if you know Christ. The last script of your life is not the cancer diagnosis. The last script of your life is not losing your job and being in in the unemployment line. The last script of your life is not death. The last script of your life is not the evil one thinking that he can cut you off at the knees. Because of Jesus, and only because of His grace, you and I can spit. We can spit in the face of cancer. We can spit into the eye of the evil one. And we can know that because of Jesus, 
that no weapon that the evil one would fashion against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. That produces joy. And not just little whimpery, weak little joy. But joy. Joy. Vigorous, loud, assertive joy. And if you think this preaching is too loud, wait till you get to heaven. Because Paul's going to be up there. And Timothy. And Moses. We won't have to preach to the unsaved anymore, but we'll spend the rest of our days singing with joy because Jesus has saved us from our sins for all of eternity. For all of eternity. Loud shouts of joy. Not just little whimpers. Not tiny, timid, little expulsions of air. Joy. But vigorous. Loud, assertive. That's the kind of joy that the angels announced to the shepherds. Do you think the shepherds would have been terrified, as the Scripture says, that they would have been terrified by angels who came announcing joy? Joy. No, they were there. They were drowsing off like some of you are doing just now. Out there on those Judean hillsides, and all of a sudden, the Scripture says that the, an- the angels appeared. A mighty chorus of angels. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were, according to the King James, they were sore afraid. And the angels said, but don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of what? Great Joy, which shall be to all people. For today, I'm losing my voice on this one. For today is born in the city of David. Here's the good news that brings great joy. Today is born unto you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And what should that instill in us? but to stand to our feet and grab our hankies and become a bunch of Pentecostals and say, Hallelujah, let there be joy. Let there be joy. Let there be joy. But I fear that most of us as Christians have lost our joy. We've forgotten what we've been saved from. We've lost sight of the pit in which most of us lived. We've forgotten what it was like To live in spiritual darkness. But my friend, I want to tell you that anything, 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 if you should be joyful today about the work of God in Christ for you. Great joy. Why? Because God has saved you. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. But God has saved you by His grace. And the one who could overcome the fatal separation between humankind and this holy, holy, holy God, He has come and He he has offered to you the gift of grace and joy. At the end of John 15, verse 11, we read that Jesus, speaking to His disciples, 
that Jesus is the one who gives us His joy. He said, I've said these things to you on a number of occasions, these things about abiding in Him, about being deeply connected to Him. And as John Calvin, the great reformer, would say, that we need to be bonded to Christ. We need to be bonded to Christ. And that's exactly what happens when there's true repentance and when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That you leave the kingdom of darkness. You, 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 you are raised up out of the pit. Your feet which were mired down in sinking sand, that because of the grace of God, that because of His marvelous grace, you have been bonded into Christ. You no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but now you're in the kingdom of life. Light. You no longer have to deal with not being experienced uh, the mercy of God. But you have firsthand experienced the mercy of God. And because of that, you are now bonded into Christ, as Calvin puts it. Let me tell you what that looks like. When you are bonded to Christ, it's like God, by His Holy Spirit, smears superglue all over your backside. And then He attaches you to Jesus Christ. And try as you may to get away from Him. You can't. Because you've been bonded into Christ. You, you can seek to get away from His love and grace, but you can't because you are in Christ. And no one can pluck you out of the Father's hand. And, and, and no matter what circumstance comes against you, and no matter what trouble comes your way, you need not fear because you are now in Christ. Praise the Lord. And that brings joy. That brings joy. A deep, deep down conviction that you know that Jesus Christ has reached into the hell of our humanity and has healed it and has brought us into communion with our Holy Father. That deep conviction that nothing the evil one can throw in our faces, that nothing uh, a, a diagnosis can do to us, that nothing that a broken relationship or a failed hope can do to us. And we know because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, we know that at the end of the day, the final page of our autobiography has the name of Jesus Christ written all over it. And we can say with Paul, because we too are bonded into Jesus, we can say with Paul what he wrote so confidently in Romans chapter 8, that nothing, no nothing, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And folks, if that doesn't produce joy within you, then you better check your pulse to see if you're alive. Because there's nothing, Paul says, absolutely nothing, neither death nor life nor angels or principalities can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's joy, vigorous, assertive, spitting in the face of circumstances. But some of us, are not given over to joy. Instead, we are given over to happiness. And happiness is dependent upon circumstances. As long as the skies are blue and there are no clouds, as long as the way ahead is easy, we'll be happy. We like happiness. I like to be happy. I know you like to be happy. But we've all walked this pilgrim journey long enough to know that that you're not always happy about life circumstances. Amen? 
I want to tell you right now, I'm not very happy. I'm not. I know. I'm not happy about my circumstances right now. I don't want to leave this place. If I wrote the script, I wouldn't be doing this. If I had the opportunity to to chart the course, this wouldn't be a part of my plan. I plan to stay here to retirement, to just kind of coast into retirement. You know, it's a great job working with great people in a great church with great people like you. I mean, for those of us who are in full-time vocations of ministry, this is the, the top of the heap. There's nowhere else to go that's better than this. Nowhere. And so when God wrote across my life in my script that my days here were done and He was taking me to a new field of ministry and repositioning His army and taking one of His soldiers out of this battalion and putting me into another battalion, I want to tell you, I wasn't very happy. And I'm still not. But though I'm not happy, I have joy! Because, here's why I have joy. Because you cannot fail when you follow God in complete obedience. Can I hear an amen? When you step out of the boat, and when you say to God, God, This isn't what I would choose. This isn't the place I would go. This is not how I would script it. But Lord, I'm so committed to obey You, to follow You, to follow hard after You, that I know, Lord, that You make no mistakes and that Your your design and Your plans and Your purposes for me are not for evil, but they are to prosper me and to prosper Your kingdom's purposes. I can approach that, even though I'm not happy, I can approach that with great joy. But one other thought. Because we have this gift of joy, inexpressible, glorious joy, we must not hold inside of ourselves this tremendous joy that God gives to us. Our response, having received this gift of joy, Our response should be one of pouring this gift out and smearing joy on everybody else. So how does that happen? What does that look like? Well, I think it it starts by simply looking around you and being alert to the people that God would bring across your path every morning, putting on your spiritual antenna and saying, God, I want to be alert today to the people that you would bring across my way because I want to share with them the the joy that you've placed within me, and give them a reason to be joyful too. And it starts with simple little actions. If you look around and begin to look at the people that God will bring your way. And let me give you a couple of, of ideas. How can you be a spreader of this joy? Well, how about your neighbor who lost his wife this past year? and is facing his first Christmas all alone. Maybe he needs someone to bake a batch of cookies 
and to tap on His door and to share that gift with Him. Or, or maybe just a box of chocolates and a card that assures Him that you're praying for Him this Christmas because you recognize that He's experienced a great loss this year. Do you think that would give Him joy? Or what if, what if you would take notice of the woman who works in the cubicle next to you, the co-worker that you know who has gone through a divorce this past year, and every day you see her, every time you look at her, she's, she's in tears. Why not buy her lunch? Or see if she needs someone to babysit while she does her Christmas shopping. Or find out if she's got money enough for December. And then secretly take donations and give her a Christmas bonus because the company's not getting a Christmas bonus this year. Would that cause her joy? Or what about your family? Or your marriage? Does it need a little joy this Christmas? I don't believe it's too big a miracle for God to bring love between children and parents who've been fighting so much of late and let that fighting be replaced by joy, even if it's just for one or two days during the Christmas season. Or what if, as a spouse, you decided to lay down any axes that you want to grind in your marriage and, and any changes that you want made and any contempt you feel. And simply, this Christmas, you would love your spouse. You would love him or her openly and honestly and unselfishly. What if, instead of griping and grumbling and complaining, if this Christmas, if the joy of Jesus living in your heart would, would inspire you to tell your partner that you are daily praying for them and for your marriage and that you would shower them with love and with romance and with complete, complete unselfishness. Do you think that that would bring them joy? For young people, what if you as a son or a daughter would take it upon yourself without mom or dad having to ask or suggest, what if you would, would report for duty, so to speak, and say, Mom, Dad, what do you need me to do to bring joy to your life? Now, after you peel them off the floor, <laughs> then suggest to your mom or dad some things that you would be willing to do without them nagging you or or having to fight about it. To clean up your room. To take out the garbage. To clean out the dishwasher. To help with the household chores. Do you think that would bring your mom or your dad joy? Oh, why don't you try it and see? Why don't you try it? Or what if, young person, you would actually save some of your allowance money to actually this Christmas go out to the Hallmark store and buy a card for your mom and dad or, or think of it, buy them a Christmas gift this year and, and tell them how much you love them and, and the sacrifices that they make for you. Make an investment in your family. Do you think that that would give your parents joy? It absolutely would. You see, the call on our lives, having received this joy from God, this rinna 
vigorous, assertive joy. The call on our lives as Christ followers is when we go out of those doors in five minutes that we're called upon to be joy givers, not joy stealers. That's the problem with so many Christians. We are joy stealers. We suck the joy out of most things and most people. But we are to be just the opposite. We are to be givers of this great joy. What if we were committed to do that in this week, in this Christmas season, and extend it beyond the Christmas season into the new year? What What an impact that would make in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace, and in our community if you would be one of those joy givers. One final thought. On Monday night, Kathy and I had the opportunity to participate in the annual Christmas party for our clients at the City Mission. For the men and associates, the men who are in our New Life program, for the men who are in our Samaritan care ministry and they take shelter there from the cold and the snow. It is, it is a group of koinonians who have been doing this for the last 27 years. It gives Christmas to these men. And Kathy and I were privileged to be a part of that great night. It was a wonderful potluck supper. We ate to our heart's content. We had a wonderful sing-along and enjoyed uh, laughter and fun and singing together. We lit our candles and sang Silent Night together. But the, the, the part of the evening that brought me the greatest joy was being able to share that joy with others. You see, the Koinonians had prepared a hundred, one hundred gifts for our men at the City Mission. And I had the privilege, standing next to Mrs. Santa Claus, of standing there and calling each one of those men by name as they came up and received their gift, their box, wrapped with ribbon and bow, filled with toothpaste and deodorant and shave cream and razors and socks and a gift card to Walmart and all the rest. But the greatest thing about that evening and that moment was that as I looked each one of them in the eye, I was able to say to them, God loves you, and so do I. And there were some men who had just come off the street that night. They'd come in from the winter snow, just looking for a cot and a hot meal. And much to their great surprise, I had the joy of calling them by name. They didn't think they'd receive a gift that night. They were late to the party. Their name had not been engraved on an invitation. But there was a gift for them. And I want to tell you that as I looked into their eyes, even though I'm not very happy. I have great joy. Because God is graciously granting to Kathy and me an opportunity that I would not have chosen on this career path, but an opportunity to be a joy giver.
But that opportunity is not meant for us alone. You are called to be joy givers as well. So because this is my next to the last opportunity to preach at you, First Alliance Church, rise up in this dark and joyless world. Rise up and be the people of God. And take the joy of Christ out those doors, into your home, into the schoolrooms and the campuses and the workplaces and this community and this commonwealth and our nation and through dedicated missionaries like Tom and Tina Freilich and, and Steve and Christy Volstead and the Quirines in Ecuador and others like them who are serving in the trenches being joy givers. You be a joy giver through them. And I promise you, I promise you, that if you rise up and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you commit yourself to be a joy giver rather than a joy stealer, you will never, never, never regret it. But instead, you will have joy, joy, joy. Let's stand together and let's pray.